SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number three of the morning after on this Thursday edition right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. Hour number three is a very happy hour. We look forward to week number 18 in the NFL. The regular season finale in all that is on the line in terms of the postseason and just getting into the playoffs still remaining across the National Football League. We will do that with some great guests for you in this third hour as well. We'll also talk some college basketball and some NBA action as well. Near the midway point of this NBA season, the Golden State Warriors are tied for the best record in the NBA, and they await the return of Klay Thompson, which might happen on Sunday as well as the NFL regular season is coming to a close. To cap off Sunday, to cap off the entire regular season in the National Football League in this year, 2021, now in the calendar year, 2022, it'll be a battle between the Chargers and the Raiders. A showdown in the AFC West, a winner-take-all game between Los Angeles and Las Vegas out in the desert on Sunday night football. Right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, checking to make sure we have the most updated line for you. The Chargers are a three-point favorite on the road. The over-under is 49 in a hook. So here's the very interesting thing about this game. Like I mentioned, win and you're in. Maybe. So here's what goes into stake now for the AFC. Five of the seven spots have been clinched in the AFC playoff picture. The two final Remaining wild card spots still up in the air entering week number 18. The Colts are a 15 and a half point favorite on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. If Indianapolis wins, they are into the postseason, leaving one spot left that will be decided by the winner of the game between the Chargers and the Raiders. That's why it's winner take all, win and you're in. However, when you look at that game between the Chargers and the Raiders, there is a chance that if Indianapolis somehow loses as more than a touchdown, two-touchdown favorite against Jacksonville, both the Chargers and Raiders could get in with a tie. There has been some fun and some speculation that maybe both teams, if that was the circumstance, would just knee the ball 15 times apiece. We'd see the clocks hit double zeros, and then we'd go on into the postseason with both the Chargers and the Raiders in the fold. I do not expect that to happen. Thus, we break this game down from a winner Take all perspective. The Chargers, a three-point road favorite against the Las Vegas Raiders. The line opened up in the LA's favor at two and a half points. The over-under was 48 and a hook. So the line is worked by a hook in LA's favor. And that total up by one point from 48 and a half to 49 and a half. Now, the Chargers this year have not been great as a favorite. Just four and six against the spread when booked as a favored side this year. They did cover last week as a favorite against the Denver Broncos, but just their third cover in their last eight games. So the Chargers have been a favorite 10 times. The Raiders have been an underdog 10 times. They are six and four against the spread. And here is what is very intriguing about Vegas booked as an underdog. I just mentioned it, six and four ATS, but all six of those covers six outright wins for the Raiders yes six and four against the spread 
but six outright wins. And with a game with a short spread right now at only three points, and the Raiders need to win to get into the postseason, certainly something to keep in mind for your handicapping. They have covered in six of their 10 games as a dog, all of those a six outright winners. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here to the third and final hour of the morning after on this Thursday, a happy hour indeed. Sirius XM Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. This is our West Coast wake up. We welcome in our West Coast audience, and I'm Ben Stevens. A game out in the desert on Sunday night football, the finale of the entire regular season across the National Football League. The Chargers, a three-point road favorite against the Raiders in a winner-take-all game. You win, you're in to the postseason. As I was just mentioning, the Raiders are 6-4 and four against the spread as an underdog this year in 10 games. All six of those covers, six outright wins, which the Raiders have done the last two weeks as well. But the Raiders offensively have not been great the last couple of weeks. In fact, in their last five outings, the highest output they have put out there, 23 points. They are only averaging 16 points per game in their last five. Certainly going to empty out the bank here. And maybe you look at an over-under of 49.5 and think, hey, let's take an over, especially when the Chargers are involved, who have played five straight games to an over. But the Raiders, under in three straight and four of their last five. And then as this all pertains to the AFC championship market. No make playoff odds up right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And obviously the Chargers are the favored side to get into the postseason based on the betting lines for this specific game on Sunday night. But there's a far drop-off right now in the AFC championship market from where Los Angeles stands as opposed to the Raiders because LA is at 18 to one, the seventh best odds to win the AFC conference crown. The Raiders are at 42 to one. Those top seven odds that you see right there are the seven playoff teams most likely, although the Colts and the Chargers have yet to clinch a berth, but both favored to do so this weekend to end out week number 18. And there's a far drop-off from the Chargers at 18-1 to to the Raiders at 42-1 to to win the conference crown in the AFC. An indication not just based on the results for Sunday Night Football, but that championship market in the AFC as well. The Chargers far better suited to get into the postseason and then maybe make some noise in the playoffs as well within the AFC in that seventh and final AFC wildcard postseason spot. Coming up next, we transition to college basketball. We get in the zone. What you need to know in CBB. Stay with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. I'm a proud Syracuse University alum. And when it comes to college basketball, playing the 2-3 zone is what Syracuse is supposed to do well, unless you're up by double digits to the half against Miami and you lose the basketball game by one point last night on the road in Coral Gables. I'm not bitter. Come on. <laughs> Could I be? Syracuse stinks this year, and they can't hold on to leads 
in the second half. But the point overall being is that we are getting in the zone because the zone means college basketball in my mind. In the zone for you here on TMA are all the betting trends and the notes you need to know about college basketball now in the thick of conference action. What can we take from games? What trends can we learn from that help us handicap the rest of the way? So whether it's the 2-3, the 1-3-1, one, one, the 1-1-3, one, one, or a box in one with trapping principles, we break it down in the zone right here on the morning after. And we begin with actually one of the best conferences in all of college basketball this year. A conference that reigns supreme in some people's minds, not Big Ten Ben, but in some people's minds when it comes to college football. The SEC also darn good in basketball this year. They have a bunch of teams in the AP Top 25, a bunch of teams in Ken Palm's Top 20, including a team that's ranked 15th in the country in Alabama. In a big road test to begin SEC play, the second game for the tie, the first for Florida, Alabama goes on the road in Gainesville last night and gets a big win over those Gators, 83-70. to 70. Alabama, despite being the ranked side last night, was actually booked as a one-and-a-half-point, two-point underdog on the road against UF last night. It snaps a five-game non-cover streak for Alabama as well because not only did they cover, of course, as an underdog, they win outright 83-70. to 70. Now, Alabama has only been an underdog twice this year, both covers, both outright wins impressively on the road last night in Florida's SEC opener in a huge conference clash and also a couple of weeks back against Gonzaga when Alabama was a nine-point underdog and won that game outright 91-82 over the Zags. The total last night against the Gators, 150 in a hook. That went over. Alabama has gone over in six of their last eight games. Nate Oates' team, and Nate Oates is the head coach of the Crimson Tide when it comes to men's basketball, love to play at an up-tempo pace, and they shoot a ton of threes. They play a similar style as to the NBA, where as some other teams in college, it's a little more thick and in the mud. Not Alabama. So they have gone over in six of their last eight. A total of 150 in a hook still finds its way over last night. Anything above 148 in college basketball, a pretty lofty total as things stand. So Alabama, the 10th most efficient offense in the entire country. As we flip it over to Florida, the SEC opener for the Gators. Now, after starting off the year a perfect 6-0 straight up and 5-1 and against the spread, Florida has now dropped four of their last seven games and has only covered twice in that span. Florida will be a factor in the SEC championship race for sure, but not as great as they once were to begin this season, dropping their SEC opener at home last night against Alabama. The final score, 83-70. The Tide winning outright as a two-point underdog. So from the SEC to another great basketball conference this year across the country, the Big 12. A top 25 tilt last night. So if Alabama has played a ton of overs and is known for their efficient offense and won that game 83-70, Quite the opposite in Ames, Iowa last night between Iowa State, who ranks 11th in the country, and number 25, Texas Tech. This is college basketball in its most beautiful form. 51-47. Yes, 51-47. Let me repeat that for a third time to really drive home the point. 51-47, the final score of 40 minutes of a college basketball game in which Iowa State prevails winning by four points at home. Obviously, the total of 124 in a hook 
falls under last night. In fact, it was 127 and still went under. Does not matter. But both of these teams in the top five when it comes to the metrics of efficient defense this year. Iowa State, the fourth most efficient defense in the country. Texas Tech just one spot behind the fifth most efficient defense. Texas Tech shot just 39% from the floor, 17.6% overall from deep. Iowa State just a tick above 30% from the field, 28% from three. Not great. The two teams combined also for 33 turnovers. That being said, Iowa State holds on for a win. Kevin Walsh and I discussed this line earlier. It was closer to a pick'em yesterday morning around this time. It closed around four and a half points, five points in favor of the Cyclones, the home team last night. So depending on where you got that number, either you covered with Iowa State or Texas Tech or you did not. Iowa State has only lost one basketball game this year, and that was to Baylor, the number one team in the country, the reigning national champions over the weekend. So Iowa State, certainly a team to keep an eye on. And as we look at those Big 12 title odds, Baylor is now the favorite by itself. That's notable because even after this weekend, earlier in the week, Baylor and Kansas were tied for the best odds as the favorites to win the Big 12. Co-favorites no longer. That was at a plus 170 price. Now Baylor by themselves at plus 155. KU remains at plus 170. The Longhorns of Texas, the third best odds in the Big 12 at plus 390. And the reason the result last night for Iowa State was so significant is because Iowa State has been seen as a team that's off to a great start this year. One of the remaining unbeatens for most of this season up until this past weekend and still slightly undervalued in the sports books. But yesterday, after the result for Iowa State over Texas Tech, Iowa State actually leapsfrogged Texas Tech in this Big 12 market and now has the fourth best odds to win the Big 12 conference at plus 800. A jump of $4 based on one result or at least following one result last night in Ames, Iowa. Because entering yesterday's game, the Cyclones were 12-1, to the fifth best odds to win the Big 12 behind Texas Tech. Now they are in front of the Red Raiders, who are 10-1, to the fifth best odds. A team to keep an eye on, Oklahoma, 27-1, to a team that can certainly make some noise in that conference as well. And as we discussed where Iowa State is in the realm of college basketball, still ranks 37th in Ken Palm's efficiency ratings. That is the sixth best among the Big 12 teams, according to Ken Palm. Four of those Big 12 teams in Ken Palm's top 20, those four teams that you see there that are very, very good. Texas Tech is the fourth team inside the top 20 right now, according to Ken Palm. Iowa State, the sixth best at 37th in the country. So from the Big 12 in the zone to the ACC in the zone, an interesting game last night and in an interesting league right now is the Atlantic Coast Conference. We'll get into that in just a moment. But Notre Dame at home in South Bend beats North Carolina 78-73 to for the Irish's fourth straight win. They were a one-and-a-half-point underdog at home last night, was Notre Dame, and they win outright. Notre Dame just 4-9 against the spread this year. They've been a dog five times. Not all that great against the number, but... A lot better basketball right now for the Fighting Irish and Mike Bray than earlier in the year. Notre Dame started off the year three and four straight up, but now they've won four straight games and five of their last six. On the other side of that token, North Carolina, 10 and four straight up this year, but just five and nine against the number. They've been a favorite in 10 of their 14 games as they were last night on the road in South Bend and losing outright 78 to 73. Now there's a lot of conversation about the ACC to begin 
this 2021-22 college basketball season. And now that we are in the new year, in this calendar year of 2022, and in the thick of conference play, there's some talk that ACC might be a one-bid league to the NCAA tournament. I think that's a little far-fetched still out of the 14 teams in a perennial basketball powerhouse. In fact, 15 teams in the perennial basketball powerhouse that is the ACC. But only one ACC team right now is ranked in the AP Top 25, and that's Duke, who is number two in the country in the odds-on favorites to win the ACC Conference right now at minus 155. They are the only team ranked in the AP Top 25. They are the only team in Ken Palm's Top 25. Nobody else is even receiving votes in the latest AP poll that was released on Monday. So the ACC, a down year in college basketball. Something to keep an eye on in the zone throughout the rest of this college hoop season. Back to the NFL next year on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Entering the regular season finale of this National Football League season, the longest season in the history of the NFL, we need to know where the sharp edges are or at least how to approach a historic first in week number 18. So for that, here on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid, we welcome in Dave Sharapan. Dave, thank you for joining us once again. Our sportsbook conciliary, a former odds maker doing double duty for us twice in the same week here on TMA on SportsGrid. And Dave, the reason I ask those questions and present it as such is we've never seen week 18 before, but we have seen a regular season finale across the NFL where you have certain motivated sides that are playing for either a playoff spot, playoff seating, draft order, whatever it may be. So with that, we need some help to decipher some of these often lofty spreads. First, we say thank you again for being here on a Thursday. Oh, man. Anytime they call and say, hey, you want to talk to Benjamin again? Of course. We talked. We used to do this every night on the game live. And now that you're doing, you know, the morning show, the morning after and everything, they say you got to talk to Ben. Absolutely. So glad to be here. Um, Week 18 used to be week 17, which back in the day used to be week 16. Trying to figure out why teams are playing, um, who's playing, who's playing for contract incentives. Who's playing for positioning? Who's playing to just play out the string and go home? Has been one of the great mysteries of making numbers and then making bets at the end of every NFL season. So, Dave, I think that's where we start. Because from the former odds maker perspective, we see lines right now that certainly seem like that motivational standpoint is baked into the number. The Green Bay Packers told us yesterday they plan on going to Detroit to win a football game and their starters will not just start they'll play all four quarters against the lions yet the number is only three and a half in favor yeah. of the pack so are you telling me that that number and the motivational standpoint for the team that's already clinched the number one overall seed in the nfc isn't baked into that relatively short spread for a green bay and detroit game we used to say and you know i say this all the time on the shows and on the Twitter space and everywhere else. Nobody knows Squadoosh. Well, Mm -hmm. um, 
you don't believe everything that you hear as well. And that's baked into right. the number. So every line tells a story. This Green Bay line, why in the world, with the number one seed already clinched, would they play? Now, how much will they play? I think this number tells you that. Because if they were yeah. playing the whole game, this would be more than a touchdown. This is three and a half, four. Um, Rodgers may come out in the uniform. They may treat it like a preseason game. You get the first drive. Get your reps and try to score. And then you ain't going to do nothing. You're going right back to the sideline and watching and enjoying the rest of the game like the rest of us. I, I mean, that's what this number tells me. And, I mean, the total is intriguing to me here because mm. I'm like, all right, why is this number in the mid-40s? You know, you see some low numbers on this board this week as far as totals. Yep. There's a lot of 40s, 41s. There's a 38. There's, I mean, there's there's a lot. There's a couple in the 30s. That's the way most of these games end up playing out. So this one here, it's I, I think – a lot of times you got to look more to the totals to really find maybe some more confidence in your plays mm. as opposed to just trying to pick the side because until you actually see the game and know who's playing, yeah. I think you're kind of getting risky in, in situations like this, this Green Bay-Detroit game especially. Yeah, and they could be saying all of this, and Matt LaFleur can say we're going to Detroit to win a football game, and I have some concern about resting my starters for a full two weeks, incorporating that bye into the NFC playoffs. I get all that. They could be saying that, and they still probably will do the opposite come Sunday in Detroit. And so I would think, Dave, that is all certainly baked into this number because if this was last week and the Packers needed this win to clinch the number one overall seed in the NFC this line, even on the road in the Motor City, would be closer to two touchdowns than just yeah. at a field goal, three and a half points right now. So when you look to a big spread for a team that needs a win to at least clinch a division, and that's the Buffalo Bills at home on Sunday against the New York Jets, 16 and a half points. A clear indication that Buffalo <laughs> should win and should win the AFC East divisional crown. But Dave, what's the thought process about these big spreads entering the final week, knowing that if the Bills are up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, maybe we sit Josh Allen and let him rest, feeling like the game is wrapped up. That's the hard part, right? I think um, I know when you when you know you had to set the number before the game with everything, the information that you had, you got to find the number where someone is going to willingly come up to a window or sign on their app and push the button that says New York Jets at any yeah. point. So you start at two touchdowns with this one because when you go back and look what Buffalo has done, two bad teams, and yes, despite the Jets almost beating the Buccaneers last week and having beaten both Tennessee and Cincinnati at home, mm -hmm. um, they are a bad football team. You have yes. to start at the – I mean, the line starts at 14 and then goes up. Now, 17 is now that, that area where it's like two touchdowns and a field goal. You're like, okay, um, that's a lot of points. So where do you find that number? We haven't found it yet. This number's not done. This, is, this hasn't peaked at 16 and a half. 
I think it will touch mm. 17 in some places. And someone will bet the Jets. Now, how will they feel about that bet? At about, uh, what, 4 o'clock Pacific? No, that game is a late game. So you got a late yeah. game in Buffalo in January with a team that's not playing for anything and a team that's playing for everything. Big difference in Buffalo winning the division and getting the game at home, the 4-5 or five yeah. game, or being on the wild card. So Buffalo's motivation is clear. They are playing to win the game. They don't care about covering the spread, though. And this could be a backdoor situation for sure. So our sportsbook conciliary is here to offer advice. So to the casual sports better than Dave, do you recommend when you see this large number and we know one side is motivated and the other just kind of stinks that you would lay the number, maybe look at a first half number if you want to really dive things down or back the underdog because the spread is so large? I think the best way to attack these things is the first half with the big spreads hmm. because you know what you're getting. I mean, if Buffalo is going to come out and have the first drive scripted and play the game straight up, they're going to do it in the first half, right? They're not they're not easing into the game. They're coming out to get the lead. So probably at some point you would think during the week within the building, they're like, look, let's get this blowout. Let's, let, let's put it on them so we don't have mm -hmm. to worry about it late. So – I like the first halves uh, more with the big spreads. The total's only 41 and a half. I mean, it's a math problem. Mm. I mean, if you're looking at, at this game, I think overall, I, the last week of the season, I look to take the dog first and foremost and have to find a reason to take the favorite, which is usually the opposite way of the process. You look to take the favorite and find a reason to take the dog. I think week 18, the opposite. You need to look at the dog first and try to get talked mm. off the dog. That's that's the way we would approach it in the room. Always thinking, you know, we need the dog anyway, so let's try to get it the, the number. <laughs> I like that. We're getting yeah. a lot of knowledge right now about yeah. how to best approach week number 18 from the one side of the window and the other side as well and where to find those edges. So, Dave, we've talked about a team that says they're going to be motivated. We'll see if they are. We've talked about a team that one side is motivated, the other is planning their golf trips for next month. And then let's talk about a game in your neck of the woods, although it's nighttime in Pittsburgh, you're out in Las Vegas, in which both teams will be supremely motivated, a win-and-you're-in yep. football game to end out the 2021, now in 2022, NFL regular season. The Raiders and the Chargers. L.A., yep. a three-point road favorite, the over-under 49-and-a-half. So what is the handicapping process like for this game when it's a win and you're into the playoffs, baby? I can't believe the line, to be perfectly honest. I, I thought this would hmm. be shorter than three. And the early numbers, some places opened at two-and-a-half, some went to two-and-a-half, and now it's pretty much painted three across the board. I don't think it's just a laydown for the Chargers just to come in to, to Las Vegas and win. Um the Raiders have proven to me and odds makers and betters everywhere that with this three-game little winning streak and a, and a big win in Indianapolis, I think they're yeah. live to win the game. Um, and I think this number has – I mean, it's not going past three There's unless some big news comes no. out or something between now and then. We've reached the top. So if you're looking to play this game, you can grab three with the Raiders because I think some books are going to come off the three. Um it got to three early. And in the room, you always try to, like, avoid getting to three 
because now once you get there, you don't want to get middle. And um, yeah, man, we got a playoff game in Vegas on Sunday night in prime time, flex to the Sunday night game. It's going to be a big deal. I mean, the the, the town is already getting hype. It's going to be fun. And um, don't be surprised to see the Raiders get it done. The last game, Dave, of the entire NFL regular season to round out week 18 and all of it. The Raiders, 10 games as a dog this year. Six and four ATS, all six of those covers, six outright wins. Something to keep in mind for the Chargers and Raiders to end everything in week 18. Our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sherapan, you are the best. Thank you so much. More of the morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM, channel 159 and all across the SportsGrid network, I'm Ben Stevens. Now very pleased to welcome on Danny Emmerman, making his the morning after debut. He is a reporter for KNBR out there in San Francisco, and we're going to get the golden state of mind about the Golden State Warriors and a potential return to the hardwood for Clay Thompson. Danny, thank you for joining us on this Thursday here on TMA. Thanks a lot for having me, Ben. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so a lot to get to when it comes to Golden State. And Danny, we've talked about this a couple times this week. It's interesting that everybody is starting to pay more and more attention to the NBA, and we're near the midway point of the NBA season. And the Golden State Warriors are tied for the best record in the entire association, 29-8 and straight up overall this year. But a loss last night and not a great offensive performance on the road against the Dallas Mavericks. What did you take away from last night's game against the Mavs? Yeah, so people are definitely paying attention more to the NBA, and, and when that happens, people are going to pay attention to the best team in the NBA. And this year, like so many of previous years in recent memory, it's it's been the Warriors, um, and that's a lot of fun here in the Bay. Um, last, night, last night was kind of an aberration. It was an absolute uh, offensive stinker. Um, but the takeaway from last night is really that Steph Curry has really not been playing well recently, and that continued last night. Um, he's in one of the worst slumps in his career, and he said he said as much post-game. He, he was asked if he's ever been this cold before. He said no, not really. He hasn't. Um, in the last 16 games, he's shooting 36.7% from the field. Hmm. Um he went. He followed up a three for seventeen night by going five for twenty four last night, and he started twenty 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 two by hitting two of his first uh, two of his first nineteen three pointers. And that's just not you know who Curry is, and it's not who he's been his whole his whole entire NBA career. Um, so that's you know that's not going to continue. He's obviously going to find his shot. Um, even even amid this stretch, the Warriors are still winning, which shows just how great they've been. They're still 11 and five in that 16 game stretch, um, so they don't need him, you know, to be at his best to win. But he's going to turn it around very soon. He always does. He always has, um, and that should be should be really good news for Warriors fans and Warriors betters. Yeah, Danny. Last night, like you mentioned, Steph 
struggling from deep once again, just one of nine from three. But Steph's still the favorite right now on FanDuel to win the NBA MVP at plus 135. Kevin Durant behind him, Giannis behind KD, Nikola Jokic after that, and so on and so forth. So Steph off to a historic start to this year. Do you think he can hold on as the favorite to win the most valuable player in the association? I'm surprised that he's still the favorite, honestly. Um, I don't want to overreact to that stretch that we just talked about, but mm-hmm. I do feel like um, you know other players have had just as good, if not if not better, seasons than than Steph. And yeah, he's he's Steph, and he's the best player on so far the best team. Um, and there are you know um, external factors that can qualify or disqualify someone else like voter fatigue and stuff but I mean I would put Giannis above Steph I'd probably put Jokic above Steph too um DeRozan's last week was incredible I think those odds on him are kind of surprising I'm not really a betting man but seeing those odds on the screen plus 4,000 same as as LeBron I think that's that's too low for DeRozan um considering he's on the best team in the Eastern Conference right now, and he's he's their best mm-hmm. player, and he's making clutch shots every night now, and he's a great story. Um, I think voters love a good story, um, and Steph is a great story. Giannis is a great story, but he's already won a couple. Jokic won on one, so I don't know. I don't think Steph will win it this year, um, especially when Clay Thompson comes back, and you know he might you know, maybe vulture some votes for him. The team is going to be so great around him; it's not going to be like he's carrying them. Um, but I don't know. I'm surprised to see Steph still his favorite. So Danny, before we get into the return of Clay Thompson, as we mentioned, the Dubs 29 and eight this year, tied for the best mark in all of the NBA alongside the Phoenix Suns. So even without Clay and without James Wiseman, what has worked so well for the Warriors this year, in your opinion? So the biggest difference between last year and this year is that everybody else outside of Steph is just so much better, so much more complimentary to Steph. Um, Draymond Green, in particular, is playing some of the best basketball in his career. I would, I would, I wouldn't be surprised to see Draymond's name um, on that MVP list. Honestly, I know Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder said that he should be considered an MVP candidate. Um, he's played that way all year. He's been consistently great on both ends. Um, he's really like. What Steph Curry is to offense, Draymond Green is to defense. And he's the heart and soul of the Warriors. Um, Jordan Poole has stepped up a lot in Clay Clay Thompson's absence. Um, Andrew Wiggins has played the most consistent um, stretch of basketball in his career, which has been really fun to watch. And it seems like he's really found a home kind of as a complimentary guy. Um, He was never going to be the number one pick, superstar, generational talent. It's just not really how he's wired, but he can be an extremely overqualified third, fourth option and get you 20 a night and play excellent defense. Um, So I think other guys around Steph Curry stepping up um, and then really buying into that Warriors, Warriors culture, the Warriors system is why they're so much better this year than last year. So the Warriors on the road tonight, the second leg of a road back-to-back, a slight two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Pelicans in New Orleans. And then after that, back home on Sunday, 
against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Danny, as you well know, there has been tons of speculation and some reporting that Clay Thompson might make his return in front of the home crowd on Sunday afternoon. What do you think of when Clay Thompson will make his return for the Warriors? All signs point to that game Sunday against the Cavaliers. Um, for months, Clay Thompson and the Warriors have made it known that they want to do it at home. Um, this is a game against a, a team they have a lot of history with. Um, it's uh, on Monday. Clay Thompson left the left the practice court um, with six fingers up, signaling that he's mm-hmm. six days away. Um, I think he could have gone on their last game after on Monday against the Heat at home, but they're just they're really waiting it out. They're really slow playing it to make sure that he's you know Clay Thompson when he gets back. And they've definitely done that. He's been scrimmaging for about a month now, ramping up, um, getting his endurance, his stamina back to as close to NBA ready as it can be, coming off an unprecedented um, pair of injuries that he he suffered. But I think it's going to be Sunday, and I think it's going to be one of the the biggest ovations and and most rowdy crowds in in NBA regular season history. Probably (laughs) not since... I don't know, maybe when Steph went off in the garden or when the Heat had their, their long winning streak broken, something like that. I can't remember a bigger regular season game. I mean, maybe Kobe's last game. It's going to be huge. Mm. Yeah, you can think of Steph at the garden when he broke the record. A lot of moments in the regular season for the Dubs. Danny, will you be there in attendance on Sunday to possibly witness the return of Clay Thompson? I will be there on Sunday pending um, a couple negative COVID tests. Um, we're, we're struggling in isolation right now, but hopefully I'll be out by then. All, you know, health and safety protocols, the biggest thing right now for a lot of us, especially in professional sports. So that will be a great return. And as we've mentioned time and again here in this segment, the Warriors off to a great start this year, 29-8, and eight, tied for the best record in the NBA, and the favorites to win the Western Conference on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 220, a full dollar ahead of the team with the second-best odds in the Phoenix Suns. So, Danny, when Clay Thompson returns to the fold for the Golden State Warriors, do you think that will be an advantage that makes that plus 220 price look a lot better on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose there's good value um, right now on the Warriors. Um, it's possible when Clay comes back, there's a bit of a learning curve, and mm-hmm. it's possible betters in the markets react to that, and maybe the odds get a little bit worse, and maybe people can jump on that. But um, I have confidence that you know the Warriors are the best team in the Western Conference. I do think they should have very similar odds to the Suns. I think. The Suns and Warriors are, are head and shoulders above everyone else. And I just think the Warriors are just, just a nod um, better than Phoenix. But it's really neck and neck. And those two teams have been the most impressive um, to me in the Western Conference all year. And you can't really go wrong um, having, having some action on either of them. Danny, we know that Klay Thompson, one of the Splash Brothers, a fantastic shooter, one of the best in the entire league, when healthy, where else do you think he adds value for the Warriors when he gets back on the court for Golden State? Yeah, so the most the most interesting part of Clay Thompson's return, um, or what I'm going to be watching for, is how he defends point guards. 
Um, mm. He was amazing at that before he got hurt. Um, but like I mentioned, an unprecedented you know pair of injuries, tearing your ACL and then tearing your Achilles right before you recover um, fully and play again. That's really nobody's ever come back from injuries like that. And, and I imagine it's very, very entirely possible that he's a bit slower coming out of those two injuries, and that would be totally understandable. Um, but if if he's less of a you know two way guy, that definitely diminishes some of his uh, value. Um, right now, Andrew Wiggins has been guarding a lot of point guards, um, and he's been excellent at it. But you're also going to want Andrew Wiggins to guard some of those bigger wings um, in the playoffs, the Paul Georges, the Kawhi Leonard's um, of the world, and that will leave you know Clay if he can do it to guard point guards, and that's something that they don't really want Steph Curry doing because it can tire him out. They want to kind of hide him uh, on a on a non-shooter on the offense's worst scorer. Um, so if Clay can get back and if he can guard point guards effectively again, I think that would be a huge huge boost for the Warriors. So Danny Emmerman, a reporter for KNBR out there in the Bay in San Francisco, only about a minute left. We spent most of our time talking about the Warriors on Sunday, but also on Sunday, the 49ers in a huge game against the LA Rams down in Los Angeles. The Niners, a four-point dog. Danny, they need to win to get into the postseason. Do you think San Francisco does that and pulls the upset on Sunday? We don't even know who's starting at quarterback yet. Um, we don't nope. know if Jimmy's going to go with his bad finger, Trey Lance didn't look great against a terrible Texans team. Um, but yeah, I think they scheme it out. I think they win and I think they get in the playoffs. Um, I think it'll be a close one. I'll take the Niners and the points on that. It has worked their way. A spread that opened up in LA's favor at five, now down to four. The Niners need a win. With a win, they are in. If they lose and the Saints win, the Niners Missed the postseason. So much at stake in a great Sunday out there in San Francisco or at least up in the Bay with all these California clashes. Danny Emmerman, a reporter for KNBR in San Francisco, making his The Morning After debut. Thank you very much for joining us on this Thursday. Thanks a lot, Ben. Appreciate it. Of course. And Danny, go Orange. As myself, you and our producer, John Shames, all proud alums of SU, although not too big of fans of our basketball team right now, but I don't need to rant yet again all right we round out this thursday edition of the morning after with our bye 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 best bet for this day we go back to college hoops stay with us here on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com A Thursday edition of the morning after has to come to a close right here, right now on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. So many sports happening on this Thursday. We're just about 48 hours away from the start of NFL week number 18, which is the end of the NFL regular season. Some great NBA action tonight as well. And of course, a full slate now of college hoops. That's pretty much the case all the rest of the way 
as we are into the conference portion of each team's schedule, great matchups on a nightly basis across the country in college basketball. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it is time for Bye Bye Bye. I want to prove to you all out there that I am more than just Big Ten Ben. That when it comes to conference basketball, I'm not just going to give you a Big Ten pick each and every night. No, no. We're going late night. We're going Pac-12 after dark. We're going to a great matchup between USC and California. UC Berkeley and Southern Cal. Now, USC coming off a slight COVID pause. Their last two games postponed against the Arizona schools. They are back in action for the first time in over a week, taking on a Cal team who is a five-and-a-half-point underdog. Now, the thing you need to know about Berkeley, they have one of the best records against the number this year in all of college basketball at 11-3 ATS. In fact, that is tied for the best ATS mark among high major programs along with LSU in the entire country now USC one of the three remaining unbeatens left in all of college basketball it's USC Baylor and Colorado State I'm not saying USC loses its first game of the year tonight but I think California covers a five and a half point spread at home against the Trojans tonight because USC has been good but they've only covered once in their last four games so Cal plus five and a half tonight in Pac-12 after dark college basketball edition against USC the morning after each and every weekday right here on sports grid 9 a.m eastern I'm Ben Stevens and we'll talk tomorrow